Well, I just want to take a second and tell you that God is absolutely, phenomenally, out of this world, amazing, and there's no amount of words that I could come up with that would describe it. I've thought all week along how I would share this, how I would start this off, how I would bring up just the reality of what happened last week. Um, and if it's your first time here, you may have no idea what I'm talking about, so I'll tell you, okay? Um, we have been in the middle of a vision series for weeks now, leading up to Giving Sunday, which was last Sunday. Uh, and uh, we had no expectations other than I believed without doubt that God would give us every single thing that we would need. Um, and I, I, you don't, I don't ever know what to expect uh, of, you know, from from God as timing, what to expect from our people, you know, just, there was just, there was so much uh, dependency on God through the whole thing. And, I, and the heart of the series was to lay a spiritual foundation uh, in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives as a church, as we move forward into the next 10 years of what God was going to do. And there was uh, some pretty significant resource needs to be able to move forward in, in some of the practical ways. And, and so we just, we trusted God all through this process and all through the series. Um, we've just put our faith in God. We've been praying. Uh, most of us, many of us have been praying uh, daily uh, just for God to align our hearts, for God to raise up leaders, for God to uh, provide everything that we need. And we kind of just came up on last week. And, and what I saw last week, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I stood right here in the tunnel and I watched. I stood over here in the curtains and I watched and I snuck out and I watched. And, and what I watched at the end of service, both services last week, were people worshiping God with giving. There, was, there were people weeping. Uh, there were people crying. There, this, this was a worship service. Um, there was no, uh, you know, no, no, no frowns. Like people were so excited uh, to give. We read notes in the giving cards, and we we read of ways that people wanted to give extra, and they prayed for the Lord to provide in their own life that they would be able to give X amount, and to read the amount of little miracles that God did in people's lives to answer those, um, down to a, a, a envelope that had just a few dollars of cash in it, knowing this particular individual, knowing that was like the widow's might, that person gave what they had, to see the heart of our people and, and the faith of our people and the worshipfulness of our people, it changed me as a pastor last week. It made me so grateful uh, and thankful for you guys. And ultimately, God moved in a significant way. And at this point, uh, there's still more coming in. There's still more uh, being, being processed and, and promised. But right now, coming, what is in the bank right now, we raised $1.1 million last week, which is insane. And so I, I, wanna, I wanna take just a few minutes and I, I, wanna, I wanna clarify a few things. And I've got two goals today. One is to close down the vision series. Today will be the last message in the vision series. Um, and then we will, we will move on. Um, and I, I, I want to do that, and I want to do that well. And, and part of that uh, is, is uh, celebrating what God's done, what God did last week uh, for just a few minutes, acknowledging that, uh, and, and then really kind of looking at the future. And I want to let you guys know the immediate future. I want to let you guys know what's happening, you know, with the building and what we're doing just for a few minutes. And then we're going to kind of close, 
conversation down on that from the stage for the next few weeks, and, and we'll start recommunicating as things start speeding up, if that makes sense. And so I want to do that really fast before we get to the message. Um, so we, we are immediately, obviously, moving forward. They're breaking ground. There were trucks already there. Multiple people sent us pictures as they were driving by the land at the end of St. James. There were trucks already there, county stuff, getting stuff prepped and ready. Um, the builder wants to break ground uh, in, like, like next week, two weeks from now, as soon as the county will let them, they're already moving. Um, we've begun conversations uh, with the SES and with our all the the back end, the furniture and the tech and all that stuff. We're we're going to be immediately um, moving forward on that. And as all the pieces kind of come together over the next, we're we're 99% there. I mean, the only thing left is to take a shovel over there and start digging. Um, so that's where we are. And then that's the heart of it. We did reconfirm this week. Um, they are fully expecting at the longest time uh, is January, February of 24, the building will be open for us to be able to move into, which is just incredible. That's an amazing thing. And I, I want to share just a little bit. I want to celebrate specifically last week because I think that, and this kind of bleeds into the message a little bit, I think that we are so good, and by we, I mean the human race, we are so good at, at desperately crying out to God when we are in need. And then when he provides, we are so quick to thank you and, and then move on to the next thing. And I just want to take a second. I really want us to take in what God did last week. Uh, and so just to give you one example, so CDF, the church uh, development um, fund, what else would it be? Uh, <laughs> Uh, they, they're an investment group out of Georgia. They fund only churches, um, and it, it's a, they're an amazing organization. And us talking to them uh, this past week, when we, when we told them how much you guys gave and, and what God provided through his people, they were genuinely blown away. One said, in 17 years of doing this, I've never seen that at all, period. Um, from uh, one Sunday giving to that amount and to that nature, and for our size church. Um, and so I really, I really want you guys to get this. I really want you guys to understand this, that what happened last week, that was a rare thing, that that was a unique thing, that that was something that God did that no man, no woman, no team, no people could take credit for. You know, truly the heart of that giving message that I preached was David on the back end, and I reshared it last week. David on the back end going, now that we see all that was given let us make sure that we declare in our own hearts and our own minds who did this and who did this was God. God provided this for us, that this was a moment, this was a miracle, this was God providing for his people. And I wanna make sure that we declare that in our own hearts and our own minds this morning and that, that we are thankful that we get to be a part of this and we realize in our heart and in our mind what happened last week was truly an amazing and incredible thing, that that was not common, that that was not normal, uh, and that though I believed and, and we have faith and there was expectation, that the reality of God doing what he did last week in a single Sunday is, is honestly a little mind-blowing in reality. Does that make sense? And so I, wanna, I just want to make sure that we really grasp this in our hearts and in our minds and that we just turn our heart and our thankfulness onto God and thank him for what he's done and, and the way that he has led this church, the way he has provided for this church, and the things that we get to be a part of. Amen? Amen. 
So we can clap for that. And so I I want, that's the first thing I want to do. I want to kind of close down the practical side of that. And so here's my promise to you from a communication standpoint over the next um, weeks to months and through this process. We will communicate as much as we can if there are things to communicate. And so people have gotten mad at me in the past. I'm okay, I'm not, if there's nothing to communicate, I tend not to communicate. And then people want to know. So here's the deal. We will communicate at least once a month about the building, and we will communicate at any point in time something happens. If it's been two or three weeks and we haven't communicated anything, do me a favor and just go, nothing must have happened that needs to be communicated, okay? Because there's a lot of you people, and when y'all start sending emails in, it's impossible to respond to all of them. So our promise is we will communicate at a minimum of once a month um, about what's going on. We're, we've put a, a good, a great team together to help uh, govern and navigate this process. Um, and, and as we meet and as things happen, we will communicate that. And if, if anything does happen that needs to be communicated, we will communicate it as soon uh, as possible. And so that's my promise to you guys uh, and that we will do that. Uh, and, and if you do, if you do have questions and you need to email somebody, email John Doggett at pursuitchurch.org. <laughs> And he will be able to answer all of your questions. And uh, if it persists, I'll just disable my email so I can pray and say, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, We love you guys. I'm so excited for this. And I just, uh, as we transition away and don't talk as much about it, um, we're still crazy focused, crazy excited. We just, we also want to continue with the mission, uh, the spiritual mission of of pastoring and leading the flock and uh, reaching people. And and we want to, that's going to be our heart and our focus even through this 12 months. Does that make sense? You good with that? Okay. So that was the first goal I'm going to do this morning. I want to kind of put a close on that. And the second thing, I, I really want to share my heart this morning of what I see in, in share, I'm sorry, share God's heart this morning of what I see on the concept of gratitude. And I, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking Thanksgiving's on Thursday and this is a Thanksgiving message and Jordan planned a Thanksgiving message because it's Thanksgiving on Thursday. If you've come here for more than a year or so, then you will know that me as a pastor still have a little bit of a rebellion in me. And anytime there's a people think that I should preach something because of something, I tend to go the other direction, okay? So I rarely preach Thanksgiving messages near Thanksgiving. In fact, unless the Lord just puts something in my heart, I'll preach whatever it is the Lord puts in my heart. I've always done that. Um, Thanksgiving is, is a great day. It's an American holiday, and it's not a biblical holiday. And so I tend not to treat it like that, if that makes sense. Is that okay if I don't take American tradition and make it as important as the Bible? Um, that's... <laughs> It's funny when you say it like that, but, but it was always my heart to preach this Sunday following the Giving Sunday on gratitude and on thankfulness. Uh, and, and over the course of this week, the Lord has just kind of opened up my heart in a heavier way. And, and when, you, when you talk about something like gratitude, like Thanksgiving, this is one of those things that it carries a depth uh, and a magnitude that you could never really grasp in one single message, uh, probably not even a series. I I think that gratitude and thanksgiving and 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 just the act of giving thanks to God is something that is far deeper than we tend to realize it is. And and there's one 
per, uh, very specific thing the Lord has laid on my heart, just one kind of side to gratitude and thanksgiving that I want to look at today. It's going to be in John 6. But before we get there, I, I, what I, I want to do is I want us to truly understand uh, to the best of our ability how important or how powerful or the magnitude of, of gratitude, the magnitude of gratitude. See what I just did there? That's, gonna be, that's probably gonna be the title of the message, all right? You're welcome, media team. I finally gave you a title that works. Um, usually when they ask me what the title is, I just give them a paragraph of what I'm preaching about, and it helps them in no way. So title of the message, magnitude of gratitude, right there. I want, I want us to really see the weight of this. And so I wanna, I wanna start, and you're, it's not gonna be up there. I just wanna read this to you. This is in Romans 1, 18 through 23. And the main part of the message is going to come out of John 6. But I want, I want us to see this. And this gets heavy quick. Because what Romans 1, 18 through the end of the chapter is really showing and detailing. God is showing us the internal and external fall of man. That's what Romans 1, 18 down. It, it talks about the wrath of God and what brings on the wrath of God, the sin, the wickedness, and the godlessness of man. And, and God breaks down what happened internally in the heart of mankind, and then the result of that externally, all the way down to just deep, deep, wicked, evil depravity. Um, but it starts in Romans 1, 18 through 23, it starts with the starting point of the fall of man, of, of godlessness and of wickedness. And, and the heart of what I want you to see in this is the part that gratitude or thanksgiving plays in the fall of man. So I wanna read this. This is in Romans 1, 18 through 23. Just listen, or you can get there quick on your phone or your Bible, you can do that. This is Romans 1, 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So godlessness and wickedness and the suppression of truth, that's, those, that's about as deep and dark as it gets, okay? That's the weight. I want you to feel the weight of this conversation this morning. For what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from his workmanship so that men are without excuse. So the, this, is, this is the scriptural way of saying you can see the sun rise and the sunset. You can see the vast mountains of the earth. You can see the deep valleys. You can see the grand oceans. You can see the stars in the sky. You can see the moon. You can see all of the living creatures. You can see the vastness of this universe, the vastness of this world. And this in itself should be enough to tell you and convince you that God, something greater than the sun, something greater than the moon, something greater than the universe that you can see with your eyes, made that and put that there. And whatever that is, that is God. And that God should be acknowledged and worshiped and glorified and thanked. That's the heart of, of what this is saying. Yet that's not the response of mankind because of the godlessness and the wickedness and the suppression of truth. And, and God teaches us here exactly how that truth was suppressed in the very next scripture. In verse 21, it says, for although they knew God, Meaning they knew God, they knew of God. They, they, they've seen creation, it points to a creator. It, it only took us 10,000 years to become this foolish that we would think that everything happened randomly by accident, okay? That's, we did, it took us a long time to get that stupid, okay? And I'm just being honest with you. 
All right, this is, this is the, the most, the greatest foolishness of mankind is to look at the world and think that it all happened by accident, okay? And, and the heart of this, though, the depth of this, verse 21, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, darkened in their foolish hearts. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images of mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. And if you go on, you read the rest of Romans 1, 18, down through the end of the scriptures, it, it paints out the detailed depravity of man, it, they, they, how wicked we can really get. But what I want you to see is that the suppression of truth that led to godlessness and wickedness, the suppression of truth came in two ways. Though they knew God, first way was they did not glorify him as God. Second way, they did not thank him. So though we may not think about gratitude on this level, for God, God's perspective of mankind, God's perspective of his universe, God's perspective of the way that he made things, glorifying God, that means worshiping God, honoring God, praising God, and then thanking him are on the same exact plane. Does that make sense? Glorifying God, worshiping God, honoring God, acknowledging God, equal to thanking him. This is very important that we get the equality of that, that it's, it's equal, it's the same weight. The second thing is it's two different things that you could potentially glorify God because he's God, but not have any real thankfulness or gratitude in your heart towards him. So the weight of what I want us to see here is that gratitude or the lack of gratitude, thanksgiving or the lack of thanksgiving is a deeply evil, wicked thing and that it played a part in the fall of mankind. Now that's heavy, is that not heavy? I promise in a few minutes, we're gonna get, we're gonna get rolling. We're gonna be fun. We're gonna talk about feeding the 5,000. We'll end on an amen. But just right now, let's just all, the weight of this. And I want you to just think about this just for a second. And, and, and it's sometimes it, 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 we go through life and it's difficult for us to think about thanking God and, and, and having gratitude. But I want you to think about how upset it makes you when you see ungratefulness just even in your own life. Like with my kids, like I see it all the time. I, no matter what they get or what they do, they're just, their eyes are always focused on what's next. And then, if, and I'm just like, I'm like, you don't get it. You don't get how awesome your mom is. You don't get how awesome your dad is. You don't get how blessed you are. You don't get how much we love you. You don't get all these things. And they don't care. They're four and they're, they don't, they're, they're just like, so are we getting the candy or are we not getting the candy? <laughs> but when we, when we see it, when we see it, how much does it bother us? When we see entitlement or ungratefulness in the culture, how much does it bother us? When we see it, not in our own lives, but when we see it in other people's lives, it deeply bothers us. Can I get an amen, right? This is one of the most, in fact, I read an article not a few months ago that said that, that the, the viewing entitlement or a lack of gratefulness or a lack of thankfulness in, in the younger is one of the reasons the older generation hates the millennials, right? Now the millennials look down at the Z generation, we hate them. I got news for you, grandma. Your mom hated you for the same exact thing, okay? My point is, this is human nature. This is human nature. This is a deep part of our sin nature. And I, I want to do one more thing. That This is heavy, but I want to do one more thing. I want you to see this in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Just, just listen to this as I read this. Now the Spirit expressly states that in later times, 
Some will abandon the faith to follow deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. Now that's heavy, okay? Anytime, anytime demons show up, that's a heavy thing. Influenced by the hypocrisy of liars whose consciousness are seared with a hot iron. They will prohibit marriage and require abstinence from certain foods that God has created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So there's a lot in the scripture. There's a heaviness in the scripture. But the thing that I want to pull out of this is I want you to see is that there are things that God has created for the sole purpose of creating thanksgiving in you. So right here, this teaches us that food is something that God, God could have created us any way he wanted to create. Did he ever, under, did you ever just sit and think about why God did the things that he did? Why God created us this way that we need food and then he created us in a way that we need food every day. Some of us need food less than others, but we need food every single day, right? And then he created an abundant amount of food. The whole earth produces food. And that everything that we see, bananas and apples and, and fruit that looks good and, and meat once it doesn't look like a cow and, like, and all, all of these things, that everything that we need this, and not only do we need this, but that it is fantastically good. It's good. It tastes good. God, God literally, I want you to see the goodness of God just in food. That's why I'm pulling this. Just in food. He says, every single day, I created a deep need in you and then I supplied that need, not just in a boring way, not just in mush, but I supplied that need in abundance with things that taste amazing and that bring joy to your life. And I did this so that every single day you could have your needs filled by me and that you could enjoy the blessing that I'm giving you in food and then thank me and glorify me for it. Like that, that's just food. That, that this shows the heart of God and the goodness of God and the way that he created things. That he created things in order for us, we cre there's needs created, he provides for those needs, and then we enjoy, the, the, enjoy those needs. We, we have the, the overflowingness and the excitement and the dopamine rush from having those needs filled, and then we thank God and we glorify God uh, for giving us those things. What the demonic world wants to do, what the enemy wants to do, what the deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons, what they want to do is they want to do everything in their power to cause you not to be joyful about the things that God has given you so that you do not glorify him and you do not thank him for even the smallest things like food. And I, I, the, the, the heart of what I want you to see here, from the Garden of Eden uh, all the way through the Old Testament, even in the desert, in the Promised Land, through the New Testament, the teachings of the New Testament, words that came out of Jesus' mouth, what we see in the letters to Paul, and even what we see in Revelation, is that God, God wants to bless you, God wants to provide for you, God wants to be your God, and he wants to, to, to give good things to your life, and the enemy wants to do everything in his power to convince you what you have or what you don't have is not good so that you won't enjoy it, so that you won't thank God for it. Does that make sense? So before we get to John 6 
And this will all make sense in a minute. I want you to understand that God has created things in this world to work like this. You have a need. God provides that need. You find joy in that need and you glorify him and you thank him and you show gratitude to him. And the enemy is working double time to prevent you from seeing the goodness of God in your life so that you don't have joy and that you won't glorify him and that you won't give him thanks. Does that make sense? I need, I need all hands. Does that make, are we on the same page? Okay, because it matters when we roll into John 6. So I want us to now move to John 6, and we're gonna go through this together. This is John 6, starting with verse five. Now, the setting here, this is, this is one of the miracles of where Jesus fed 5,000 plus people with just a few fish and bread. And so I, as we go into this, I want you to read it like you've never read it before. I want, you to, I want you to hear it like you've never heard it before. I just want you to sit heart open, mind open to the, to the Lord and what the Lord wants to teach us specifically about gratitude and thanks. John 5, chapter 6. I'm sorry, John chapter 6, verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread for these people to eat? But he was asking this to test him for he knew what he was about to do. Philip answered, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to have a small piece. So I want you to see the heart of this. He's asking, he's asking uh, Philip a question to test him, to see where his heart is, see where his mind is. This is also detailing us the significant need that's before them. So we'll find out in just a second that there's 5,000 people that came out into the wilderness to see Jesus, to have Jesus minister to them, to have Jesus heal their needs, to have Jesus teach them about the kingdom of heaven, and that it's getting late, and that there is no food for them anywhere, and they are hungry, and either they're going to have to leave now, or they're just going to have to stay and starve. And, and Jesus instigates this conversation uh, and he says, how are we gonna feed them? What, what are these people gonna eat? And then Philip's response is 200 denarii. That's, that's about eight months of wages in this culture. I don't know why he picked eight months. I think I would do six months or a year, but he went for eight months. Eight months would not even be enough to give them a small bite of bread each. <coughs> this is God making sure that we know the significant need that they have. And what happens over the next few verses, I think we miss this a lot. There's a lot to learn from these miracles and from these stories. But what I want you to see is that Jesus has a different perspective than the disciples have through the entire process. So right now, we see a need that is significant. He can't even fathom or understand how Jesus would be able to meet this need. In verse eight, it says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, here is a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish, but what difference will these make among so many? So I just wanna hang out just a second right here. There's 5,000 people that need food. There's one humble little boy who's having his food stolen from him in the name of Jesus. 
Andrew is, is gonna take the boy's food. But Andrew's perspective of this, and I wanna be clear, Andrew's perspective of this is that it is not enough. Andrew's perspective of this is that it is worthless. It's pointless. This amount of, this, this five barley loaves and these two fish, this is not enough to meet the big need. So this is not a good thing. This is not what we need. This is not enough. That's Andrew's perspective of the five loaves of bread and the two fish. And I, I, wanna, I wanna just take a second to be real here. Andrew takes this perspective because this is the, the natural human response to the things that God provides for us much of the time. One thing that I've learned over the 10 years pastoring this church is that many, 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 many times when you have a significant need, God meets that need with a seed, with a beginning piece. I preached a message one time and I said, God is not in the business of giving you forests. He's in the business of giving you seeds. He's in the business of, of giving a little bit to see what you'll do with it, to see how you'll respond to it, to see where your heart is on it, to see if you'll be faithful with it, to see if you'll be a good steward of it. Andrew's perspective, and we can't judge Andrew because this is my natural response to things. This is your natural response to things. Is that, that the way that God moves so often, and this is just, unfortunately, this is true. God almost never moves the way you expect him to move. Can I get an amen? God almost never does anything in your time frame. Can I get an amen? God, God tends to, uh, at least in my own life, I spend a lot of time coming up with some great ideas and then he doesn't even check in with me and then he just goes and does his own thing. And then I've got to kind of step back and circle around and, and, and go the way he's going because he's God or whatever. That... that Sometimes this, 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 go back to the Romans 1, this, this lack of gratitude, this lack of thanksgiving, this, this lack of acknowledging what things are in front of us. Like so often in, in my own life, I, I find myself in one or two places and I've worked hard over the years to, to be in the middle, but far often I'm living in the regret of what happened yesterday and in the need of tomorrow, but rarely in the thankfulness of what I have right now today. That what gratitude does is it causes you to stop looking at yesterday, stop worrying about tomorrow, and to see what God has given you right here and right now in this moment. Gratitude will bring you into the present. 
In fact, uh, gratitude and thankfulness, if you ever go, you read Philippians, when it deals with anxiety, it says, don't be anxious about anything, uh, but, but in prayer and in petition and with thanksgiving, make all your needs known to God, and then the peace of God that surpasses understanding will come and guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That, that there is, there is a, a power in, in gratitude that if you will start to see that, that this reality of what I have in front of me is exactly what I need, that everything that I possess right here and right now is what I need and learn to be grateful for that. And then if you do have needs, cast the anxiety of that upon God and then bring that petition to him, but be thankful for what you have in front of you right here and right now. And the promises is that God will then give you peace that surpasses your understanding because your understanding screws you over more than anything else in your life, even if you're not aware of it. Because our understanding, let's just be honest, we're, we're kind of jacked up. Our perspective, our understanding, what we see, that's why God's peace has to surpass our understanding because if we're left to our understanding, we would live every single day anxious, in anxiety, not having enough, worried about tomorrow, regretting what was done yesterday, and it would just be this giant ball of anxiety and stress and forward thinking, and we would never be able to enjoy the moment that we have right in front of us. Thanksgiving and gratitude allows us to do this. That, that the, the, the perspective that Andrew had was this is worthless, this is pointless, this isn't enough, uh, this isn't gonna meet the need, uh, the, the, like what are we supposed to do with this? And, and, and I, I want you to see in just a second the dynamic different response that Jesus has of the five loaves and the two fish. This is what, this is what Jesus does. Have the people sit down, verse 10, have the people sit down, Jesus said, now there was plenty of grass in that place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Verse 11, then Jesus took the loaves and the fish, gave thanks, and uh, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. So I I want you to see the dynamic difference in Jesus's perspective of the five loaves and the two fish. Jesus saw the five loaves and the two fish as provision from God. And Jesus looked at it and in his mind, it was good. In fact, in the other parallel gospels of this story, it says that Jesus blessed the bread and the fish. And that means to say, this is good. This is good, the five loaves and the two fish. Here he gives thanks. He shows gratitude. He says, I'm thankful for the five loaves and the two fish. Jesus' perspective of the five loaves and the two fish, he saw it through the lens of his father, rather through the lens of the human heart. And what Jesus knew was that God the Father gives us everything that we need exactly when we need it. 
Jesus was not concerned about the outcome. He wasn't concerned about what was going on yesterday. He wasn't concerned about the future. He looked at what God gave him right there and right then in that moment, and he thanked God, and then he began to use it. He began to distribute it. He began to give it out. And the thanksgiving and the gratitude shown and then being able to start to break open the bread and pass it out, somewhere in the gratitude, the thanksgiving, and the being faithful with what we have, God performed one of the greatest miracles mankind has ever seen, and he fed 5,000 men plus all the women and children with five loaves of bread and two fish. There is a power in this. There is a, there is a principle that Jesus is trying to teach us about gratitude and about thanksgiving to God. If it was left to Andrew and the rest of the disciples, they would have continued to look at what God gave them and said, this isn't good. This isn't good because it's not enough. This isn't good because we still lack. This isn't good because it's not 100% what we need. There's two realities that exist in our life. One, take food. It's one of the reasons why I used it. No matter what you eat today, you'll be in need again tomorrow. Spiritually, what Jesus taught us about the Bible, about the word of God, like the manna in the desert. No matter what we feed on today, our spirit still needs the word of God tomorrow. No, no matter what, what you, you, you possess today, your, your electricity still needs to be turned on your house tomorrow. The point I'm making, and this might sound a little disappointing, is there will never be a day in your life when you are not in need. That's the way God created it. From the food to everything else in our life. You're gonna always be in need of guidance. You're gonna always be in need of wisdom. You're gonna always be in need of direction. You're gonna, you're gonna always be in need of the material things and resources. Until we get to heaven, you're always gonna be in need. You're always going to lack something for the future. What gratitude and thanksgiving does is it acknowledges that reality, but it turns our heart, our mind, and our focus on God, and it causes us to see the beauty and the goodness in what we have in our hands right here and right now so that we can enjoy what we have right here and right now and we can be thankful for it, glorify God for it, and then use it. And it's in the thankfulness and the using it that God will continue to do his thing. Think about how many good things in your life you let pass through your hands day in and day out because you don't stop to really grasp the present moment. I think about this with my kids all the time. Pastoring this church is hard. Leadership is hard. Building projects and stuff, they're hard. Marriage is hard. Thank God I have my wife or we wouldn't make it. Raising kids is hard. Life is hard. There is a lot of things that I could just focus on. We gotta do this and we gotta get this and we gotta get this. And, it, and, if I, and I, I do this at times. Well, I gotta get up and I gotta get there and I gotta be worth this. I gotta work 15 hours a day and I gotta do this and I blah, blah, blah. But over the last few 
years, the Lord has really calmed me down. And he's really shown me that we'll always be in need, but that God will always provide that need. That it is not our job to worry about tomorrow, but be thankful for what we have in front of us today. Not only to be thankful, but to enjoy it. Like my kids, like this very morning, about 5.45, I'm sitting on the couch in the dark and my son walks downstairs, climbs up in on the couch with me, gets a blanket, covers up, and just snuggles me for a second and then starts to tell me about the weirdest dream I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> and I just tear, I'm just being honest with you, I just teared up thinking about my boy because I know time's gonna fly and he's gonna be 16, 25 and gone. And so, so often, just like Andrew, so often we don't see the beauty and the goodness of what we have right now and we miss it. What Thanksgiving does, it, it gives God glory, but it also opens up our life to his goodness and causes us to see what's in front of us right here and right now. What I love about this is, is Jesus, after he gives thanks and he di distributes it, and when everyone was full, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over so that nothing will be wasted. Now, I, just, I want you to just think about this from Jesus' perspective. He just turned five loaves of bread and two fish and fed thousands and thousands and thousands. But even then so, his heart was that nothing would be wasted. Not a single bite of fish, not a single bite of bread would be wasted. Now, I want, I want you to just think about the magnitude of that, connected with gratitude and thanksgiving, that Jesus does not want one ounce of his provision in your life to be wasted. He does not want one second of your life to be wasted. He does not want one good thing that he's given you to be wasted, that he wants you to be faithful with it, be good stewards of it, that he wants you to find the joy in it, that he wants you to experience the fullness of it, that he does not want it to be. He wants everything that he does in your life, both physically and spiritually, to not be wasted. He wants you to experience the fullness of his goodness in your life. And that the only way that we can really do that is to do what Jesus taught us right here, be thankful and then be faithful with it. And so there's, this could go a lot of places. This, this, this weighs a lot in our life. There's many areas this deeply applies to. But I, I, want us, I want us to just, for a second, I want us to just think about what God has done even over the last few weeks in our church. The salvations that have taken place. The baptisms that have taken place. The giving Sunday last week. The provision that he gave us. Like, I want us today, I want us to be thankful to God because what he did last week is not normal. What he did last week is not common. He took a, a church and a shopping center in the middle of Denver and he blessed us abundantly 
And that right here and right now, that this, on this little stage, from the people in this room, from the cameras, that we, we've been able to minister and reach thousands and thousands of people. That what God is doing here is powerful and it's unique. God's moving everywhere, but for a fact, God is moving here, amen? And I just, I felt so heavy in my heart this week for us not to do what Andrew did. For, for not to, to miss the magnitude of what God has given us. To miss the beauty of what God has given us as a church body. And I just wanna end the day and I wanna end this series, this vision series. I wanna end this, this entire thing by just thanking God. By just worshiping Him and glorifying Him and really coming to terms with how much he's blessed us, with how much he's moved over the last few weeks, with how much he provided for us last week. As a church body, I just wanna, I wanna show him gratitude, I wanna thank him, and then I wanna be faithful with what he's given us, amen? And so this is what I wanna do, is we, we, we go to worship, and in a minute we're gonna stand, I'm gonna pray, and don't just listen to me pray. But in your own heart, in your own mind, begin to thank him. Begin to glorify him. Begin to offer up thanks for the things that he has done in your life, for the things that he's given you, for the things that he's provided for you, for the little things and for the big things. And then as a church family, let's make a promise to the Father that we will be faithful with what he's given us. We'll be faithful with every resource. He'll be, we'll be faithful with every person he sends our way. We'll be faithful with every ounce of influence he gives us. We will be faithful with his word. We will be faithful with the cause of Christ. Can we do that this morning? This is how I think we need to end this series. If you guys will stand, let's just worship him and thank him this morning.